Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Hotline Monday with Justin Robert Young. Hello. Oh man, what a what a what a hell of a weekend! What a hell of a hot summer! You went to Las Vegas, which is really warm. Uh, actually, it's a little unseasonably warmer than usual this time of year. So, how'd that go? How did it go at 107 on the Strip or whatever? 108. Yeah, that's, that's hot. That's hot. And when you're on the that's not hot, that is uh, oppressive. Like you, you should be able to sue nature. That is cruel and unusual. Is it weird that I like that when I go to Vegas? I like it in August when it's like 114 in the shade. Is that weird? It's a little yes. weird. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. It, you're. It's bad, and you should feel bad about it. I don't know what changed, but some point in my adult life, there was almost like a. Day, it's almost like a day it happened. But one day, before that time, I hated too much heat, and then one day it flipped, and I couldn't get enough of it. So now I like running in it. I like taking the dog on long, hot walks in it. I like to lay in a hammock in the middle of it. I uh, just want you just, well, you know, want to know what you're probably just one of those people that like, are, how, how are you on sweating? Uh, I sweat a lot, but not I more turn red and kind of like cook like a turkey than I sweat. OK, <laughs> right now, there's a lot of people that are listening that have like sweating is a problem, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, if you're just somebody who sweats like a normal human being, then it's like, yeah, okay, yes, you're in 100-plus degree weather. You're going to sweat a little bit. But there are some people who are, like, sweating through shirts, and, you know, it's just, like, a major problem, right? Yeah. So if you you are just, you know, flaunting your sweat privilege uh, around, talking about how great it is that you can walk outside in 100-degree weather and then not have, you know, these big pit stain racing stripes that go from uh you know below your arms down to you know the bottom of your shorts <laughs> all right so look i think i got an answer for it and if you're listening we'll take you, your calls on this and more yeah <laughs> definitely more uh but no look here's the deal i grew up in a dry climate i grew up in the desert that's where i've lived my entire life when uh people i know from the south florida mississippi louisiana kentucky georgia these kind of places they come up here and they dry out right yeah, no, it, it's it sucks. It's not good. It isn't good. It's you know this. You're from Florida, so you understand exactly what I'm talking about. But the bottom line is, I think I am just being prepared for the inevitable kind of fury road reality that we're all heading toward. I mean, this is no. This is absolutely true. This is you. If tomorrow, yeah, and this is why I think you just got your vibe. But we gotta. We might actually have to just get right off uh, after this and go play <laughs> hover junkers. But. Uh, I feel like that that's the world that you want to live in, like yeah. a post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, you have to defend your homestead against, you know, uh, uh, ravagers. You're good. You're like basically true or false. Answer this question because the world wants to know. All right. Uh, an absolute 10 out of 10 couldn't uh, sign up for it fast enough world for you is to be. The 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 kindly town mayor of a thriving post-apocalyptic like old west style <laughs> town. All right, if I'm being honest, yeah. Let's let's just look at a couple of contextual issues though. Yeah. If the world is ending, yeah, and it is a a wiped out, desolate uh, hellscape. Yes. And the vestiges of humanity have decided to come together as best they can and create pockets of of, uh, of safety, humanity, and survival. Yeah. Yes, I want to be the town's... No, that's what... Yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. 
Exactly. No, you want to be the guy that the the stranger comes into town and you're like, uh, uh, yeah, well, come sit at my table. I like to meet a man straight uh, eye to eye when they come around here. You know, strange times after all. Like, and then you know, you you decide whether or not he's good or not. But even if you figure out that he's good, you still kind of flash your pistol just so like like, hey, listen, you can have all of our all the barley and grain and water for your horse. But if you try to pull anything, just know that. We're as lawful as we are uh, kind, yeah. and, and we don't we don't take kindly to any scallywags. You've basically described it. I would do that. I don't exactly. know. I mean, they'd have to. I'd have to be duly elected by the people of town. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. We're not saying that you're taking over as a strong man. <laughs> <laughs> you're not. You're not. Uh, you know, pounding your chest and demanding that uh, you know things go your 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 way, right? Yeah. Oh no. You th this is a kindly. Uh, uh, a kindly thing. Okay, so we didn't come here to talk about Scott's uh, uh, inner desire to run a post-apocalyptic town. Which means, by the way, that I and the townspeople will all die because we're going to be like uh, Ian McShane at that in that Game of Thrones episode a few weeks back. It's going to be like oh, that. no, but I think oh, so you would you would be uh, you would say you know like well, violence is just another disease. No one ever. Cured it by spreading it. I would try. I was. I would. That's my Ian McShane. I feel like I have a decent <laughs> Ian McShane. It's not bad actually, but I would be constantly as, as town as sheriff. Okay, would we have a mayor too, or just a sheriff, or am I a mayor? <laughs> no, you're the mayor. You're oh. definitely not the sheriff. Okay. <laughs> I don't there's know how no to take that. I don't know how to take that. How should I take that? I'm no. There's no, no way I'm the sheriff. You are because you're good. You're the level. You're the brain. Okay. Right. <laughs> Sheriffs, you know, that, that that's the law. Like, sheriff, you got to do a lot of, like, talking to near-dwells or, like, just being, like, a lot of, like, posturing. You're, like, you're the mayor that will shoot somebody, but, you know, you're, you're best there to unite the town okay. and, and to make sure that the hard decisions get made, not to, you know, shoot cattle thieves. Right. Okay, fair enough. That Knowing that, then... Uh... What was my point? We'd have a great town, and I won't die because we got a sheriff who's willing to do whatever it takes to protect the people. I'd make sure of that. Who do we know that would make good sheriff? You might be a good sheriff. Oh God, no, you, no, no, no. You could do some dirt, dude. You could do some real I, dirty yeah, dirt. Yeah, I'm not shooting people. <laughs> uh, you know, that's just I'm. I'm not. I'm definitely not that. Like, uh, and and also, I'm not an imposing guy, right? I, I don't have a, a necessarily imposing stature. I might actually run against you for mayor. Okay. In fact, I, th I feel like I would I would run against you. All right. Well, see you in November. But I'd lose. I'd lose. Why you would know? you lose? You wouldn't lose. Because you're more trustworthy than I am. Maybe. Like maybe. But you're charismatic. You're the Donald Trump to the and I'm a Kasich here. <laughs> no. Yeah. But side by side, just not even with our voices. You could just say. Which of these two people do you trust more? <laughs> now, stripping out even the obvious racial implications that will factor in through an at-a-glance uh, decision, yeah. I feel like you would definitely come out. Uh, you would come out ahead. All right. Well, good. Now, that all aside, speaking of hot summers, we're in one, and there are movies coming out, and you posited this idea on text earlier today that will be the topic of our show that this is the summer that killed sequels. Do you want to you want to expand on that a little bit so people okay. understand what so you're talking one, about? So number one, let's get the very obvious criticism out of the way. Right. Uh, huge uh, weekend for Finding Dory. Yeah. Uh, it will or is uh, now on track to probably either come close or beat Civil War, which is just crazy. That's huge. Yeah. 
but obviously, both of those movies are indeed sequels, right? They yeah. are they are and building on existing stories. Mm-hmm. So, sequels are having a very good year, and yet, similarly, they are not, by and large, bringing in the money like some of the studios would hope, including probably the biggest successes, Finding Dory and uh, uh, Civil War. Yeah. One of the biggest uh, uh, disappointments, Batman, Superman, mm. which we have talked about uh, uh, to, to death here. Uh, but really, like here's here's what I want to get to: okay. sorority or uh, neighbors to sorority rising topped out at fifty four million dollars. That's under where they would want it. That's you know a, a name actor to a sequel. Uh, you want that to be closer to a hundred million than they were. X Men Apocalypse, one hundred and forty six. That's bad, especially when you consider. You know how much I'm sure that they spent on uh, on, on on marketing. That's what, that, that, that strikes me as as nearing Superman, Batman, bad. Like in terms of expectations and dollars, I know it's a different it's a different um it's a different spreadsheet, but they that seems really 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 low to me compared to what you think an X Men movie would get or what it has gotten in the past when they've had other sequels, including the last one. Well, how about this? Alice through the looking glass, $70 million. Oof. That is a stinker and a half. And by the way, whenever anyone's like, Disney can do no wrong, make sure you go ahead and uh, cast a withering <laughs> finger in the direction of Alice through the looking glass. <laughs> that was not marketed very well either. And I think that uh, there is a, this is a whole different discussion. We don't have to have it now, but there is a Johnny Depp fatigue right now that is palpable and difficult to dig through. So, he may yet have his time to come back and show us again why he's great and when he's not potentially throwing phones or punching his wife. But that time is not now, and these movies well, are not it. I think a lot of people also forget that uh, Alice, uh, the first one, was, I think, I believe, the first major release that came out and was marketed as a big format 3D movie post-Avatar. Yeah which had everybody wanting to go see a 3D movie. I think it really, really, really benefited from that, considering Johnny Depp was at a different place in his career. Uh, you know, the the Tim Burton machine was was still humming on a level that was interesting to people. Well, and he actually directed it, and unlike this new thing, it's somebody else. So, sure, you know. yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that there's, there, there's a lot that goes into it, but what I think the larger point is... You know, Ninja Turtles, seventy-one million dollars. Yeah. Like you, you want you want more out of these flicks. Uh, now, meanwhile, on the lower scale, Conjuring Two does very well at seventy-one million dollars. Seventy-one million dollars for Conjuring Two is great because that movie probably cost fifteen million to make yeah. and probably even you know not a ton to market. Right. Now, see me two forty-one million that underperforms, uh, and then obviously you have the gigantic success of Finding Dory. We're gonna find out. Uh, whether or not this trend holds this week, it's uh, Independence Day resurgence. Yep. Then we have the Purge election year, Star Trek uh, Beyond, uh, Jason Bourne uh, uh, still to come, uh, as well as Ice Age Collision uh, Course. What, so, what is the what is the most distance between um, last film and sequel? I think it's Independence Day because that was '96, right? And then this is 2016, so we've got 20 years. Yeah, I mean, unless you want to count ghostbusters oh i didn't think about that yeah ghostbusters this year too that's a good that's a good point um so then it so in my mind it goes ghostbusters longest independence day second longest oh yeah no it would definitely be ghostbusters if you want to do it but otherwise if you wanted to uh just say literal direct 
this movie is the next chapter after the last movie ends. Mm. Uh, I believe it'd be my big fat Greek wedding too. Oh shit! <laughs> I forgot about that thing. That was this year, wasn't it? That was this year. That wow. was this summer. Open okay, now that Super brings up a really Superman. That brings up a really good point. Um, Finding Dory's what? Thirteen years after the fact. Two thousand three it was. So yeah, thirteen years later. Yeah. Uh, saw it by the way with family. Fan freaking tastic. Seems um, to be getting uh, 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 quite the positive. Uh, uh, reviews. I'm starting to think that that Pixar, man, they know what they're doing. It seems like they know how to make some real good movies that a lot of people really adhere to. So what we're asking you today is, is this the death of sequels? Why are we seeing so many so spread apart? And maybe this very first caller has a thought on that. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, this is Jonathan calling from New York. Hey, man, what's going on in New York right now? Uh, it's really warm, uh, but I'm just stuck in my office on Fifth Avenue. Oh, uh, look at you. Nothing very exciting. You're a city boy. I like it. All right. Well, uh, what's on your mind? What's well, going on? I live on? in Brooklyn. Hey, oh, go okay. to the Broadway show and uh, avoid the pimps and hookers. <laughs> Get a pizza. That's right. No, I, I, did buy, I did walk by Giuliani eating breakfast this morning. It was kind of weird. Oh, no way. <laughs> really? You should have said, um, yeah, the, you should have said you're a great sign the Cafe down on 6th Street. No way. That's cool. That's actually kind of yeah, cool. cool. I mean, you should have said, hey, nice job trying to be president. Didn't really work out for you. <laughs> anyway, yeah. see ya. Anyway. And then, then button it up with a, I'm walking here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get out of my way. That's right. Yeah. All right, so what do you what do you think about all the sequelitis we're having? Uh, I think it's justified. Ooh, all <laughs> um, right. Although I hear really good things about Now You See Me Too. Oh, really? No, I'm kidding. I haven't heard no, of, I was going to say, I haven't heard a damn good thing about that movie. We forgot about that one. That's another... <laughs> Another dead sequel yeah, there. Yeah, no, I mean, so Now You See Me Too made 41. Let me go ahead and uh, take a look at uh, what the first one made. But but what, what was uh, what was your point there, uh, New York? My point is that uh, if the if the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie is any indication of how little anyone cares about sequels, then that would be the prime example. That's your, that's your impetus for it? Okay, so I'm going to add to that yeah. by saying, thanks for the call, by the way, New York. I'm going to say this, that we the problem that we have with these sequels isn't that any of them aren't in uh, particularly bad or or in particular very good? Well, I don't know. Maybe the Dory thing changes that, and maybe a family film doesn't well, but, belong but no, in this category. Like, like, look at the sequels that are are succeeding. They are like they are coming from machines. Yeah, like it's not that. Yes, technically, Marvel makes sequels. Technically, Pixar can make sequels to movies. But we don't go to see them because they're sequels. We go to see them because we trust that Pixar and Marvel will continue to carry the banners for the characters that we love because they have a commitment to story and character. Right. Uh, That's now, fair. let me let me give you uh, the other the other side of this. Huge opening weekend, uh, uh, comparatively for Central Intelligence. Mm. Central Intelligence opened with, I mean, not Finding Dory levels, which made $136 million. Man, you want to know what is a, seems like a really good formula? Mm. Having a good movie that is starring a beloved talk show host who talks to millions of people every single day. <laughs> you know, that may be part of the formula. I don't know. It's also just wickedly good. And I will say this one thing about Finding Dory real quick. It has as much heart as anything they've ever made. And I am constantly reminded that John Lasseter was fired by Disney in the late 70s, early 80s, decided to try something on his own, got uh, money and funding from George Lucas, who then sold that money and funding in the form of Pixar to uh, Steve Jobs, who then said, holy shit, let's do something. 
and then Toy Story, and then everything else. And now he is back at Disney as head of all animation at Disney. And I just want to throw that out there as a, as a, as a lesson to everybody. The biggest animation house in the world can think you're a piece of shit and fire you. Yeah. Yet one day, you will define the medium. They'll think, all think be working that. for you someday. That's right. Anyway, sorry. Continue on with what so you were meanwhile, saying. Meanwhile, Central Intelligence. Yeah, with the Brock and the little short guy. Thirty-four million dollars, and we'll see how that holds. But that is uh, that is pretty good for them. And you could very much see that, like Central Intelligence, could have easily just been a Lethal Weapon reboot. Sure. I, yeah. You know, I think that there is another. You know, there there uh, are are other ways that you could do. Uh, you know, those kinds of movies. But I think it's better that you can just do your own story. You know, mismatch buddy cop. Uh, uh, is not a new genre, but they don't need to bring back, you know, 48 hours or something and, and make it a different Kevin Hart rock storyline to do it. That central intelligence can just be its own thing. It can be an original story. Sure. And it did well. It didn't review well, but people like the rock and they like Kevin Hart. And so, yeah, I mean, that movie's not going to get well reviewed. Right, right. But so, so what is the difference then? Is it the sequels that are struggling? Are they any good? And the ones that did okay, we would I would make the argument, obviously, Civil War, I think, was good. I think that Finding Dory is excellent. I think, um, I'm trying to think of another sequel that I saw this year. I don't think I have. I've kind of been avoiding them. Into reboots, mm-hmm. you know, uh, The Jungle Book, gigantic success, $355 million. Mm. So is the trick to... To have your movie be made by Disney. Unless <laughs> <laughs> you're Alice through the looking glass. If you are at home and would like to, or in your car, wherever you are, and would like to contribute to the conversation, uh, callers are calling us, 801-895-4724. If your number's blocked, it won't let me add you. I apologize. It just won't work. But exactly. if you have the normal number, it'll let you right in. Or if, well, you have me on, if you have me on Skype already, it's my extra life, and you can just do that, too. It doesn't matter. That'll let me add you to the call. Uh, we also have, uh, yeah, we, we we try to provide the soundtrack of, uh, you know, uh, Bob Iger rubbing his nipples with $100 bills. <laughs> Like, that's effectively what this summer has been. So now what's that's- coming up that's sequel-like? So here are the sequels coming up. All right. So we can make, I want to make some predictions here. This Friday, Independence Day Resurgence. The Purge election year comes out uh, July 1st. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters, July 15th. Ice Age Collision Course on the 22nd. Star Trek Beyond on the 22nd. And Jason Bourne on the 29th. So some of those sound like tent poles. Jason Bourne, Star Trek, and... Uh- uh, what was the other one you said? I Ice forget. Age. Uh, no, well, maybe. Kids will go. It won't be as big as Dory. Um, and those don't review very well. They're not incredibly inspired or anything anymore. But um, uh, I'm trying uh, maybe that's, maybe I'm just thinking of Bourne. Like, the Bourne one has a really good chance of being huge. It's the return of Jason Bourne. It's the return of Matt Damon to the role that everyone, you know, made him an action star out of. And so that's going to do well. I have zero doubt about that. That movie's going to do well. The Purge is a thing that I think a certain number of people want no matter what, and it's more like a uh, TV series in that you're just getting a new episode of what's going on in The Purge. And so more Purge is good for those who are into The Purge, and that one will probably do okay. I really enjoyed the last one, speaking from experience. Well, and this is is themed. It's all gimmicked up as uh, The Purge election year. Yeah. It's themed around an election. But here to discuss it is our caller, Peter. Hello, Peter. Hello, Peter. Hi. Hey, man, it's always good to hear from you. What's up? Uh, thanks. Uh, I think the 
the key is to let the directors direct and not the other executives with focus groups try to tell them what it what they should do like i i have visions of executives go oh your first movie in this series is great do the same thing mm. well it's possible but it's a narrative we kind of have made up on our own heads for example you're talking about mega corporate public companies yeah hedging their bets right they're trying to make the they're trying to ensure the best safest bet possible they're taking the safest possible route in, right. in a in a world of declining movie theater uh viewership correct so they need to ensure that as many people get into the theater as possible exactly and okay. I, all i would say to that is as much as my utopian self would like to see a world where directors and writers had complete and utter creative freedom without any interference from their from their overlords that is not realistic. It just can't be realistic. Listen, man, they do. It's called YouTube. You know, you can do whatever the hell you want on there, man. Just uh, have a have a male nipple pop out any every five minutes, and you know, but put in all your catchphrases. Yeah. Uh, if you want to direct a a big movie with a big budget, then that means that it is going to be more collaborative with the people up top. Like that's just how it goes. Yeah. And 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 there are there is plenty of of uh of of space for that. Um. You want to know, we can get to, in, into another story here. Uh, uh, a tragedy yesterday. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, Such sad news. I hate it. News uh, is revealed that Anton Yelchin, who played Chekhov in the new Star Trek Beyond, mm. uh, he was also in uh, uh, the Terminator, not the last Terminator reboot, but the Terminator reboot before that. Three? Oh, no, no, no. The one with uh, Batman in it. Uh, yeah. Christian Bale, yeah. He was actually the... Um, he was the uh, the uh, the main character, even though uh, what's his butt was not the main character. Oh, right. Uh, also, yeah, Fright Night, Star Trek. Uh, you know, uh, uh, based on what everybody said, he was he was one of the good guys. You know, he was somebody that was very uh, very well liked. Um, and it was what, just a weird freak accident. Although I did hear that the car that was idling and then came down the hill and pinned him. Uh, and he probably did what I tried to do once was I had a car. I forgot I left in neutral and didn't have the parking brake on and a car, it started to roll down a hill and I went toward it as if I was going to Hulk that thing and stand in front of it and stop it. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Until I realized kind of last second that no, no this isn't going to work. Yeah. This I'm isn't like going to work. And so I dived to the right and missed it and it ended up slamming into some bushes. But it, I, the, the, the talk is that something like that probably happened. Um, the downside or the other, the other bad news that's broken since then is that the car is apparently under some sort of recall because of a rollover, for right? rollover stuff. Yeah. Which, you know, could mean all kinds of ugly lawsuits and other stuff. I don't know, but he just, by, by all accounts, by all of his, co uh, uh, castmates in that, in those movies, they're all just distraught and destroyed by this. He was only 27 years old. Uh, nice guy was up early, early in the morning to go to a rehearsal they do that sometimes in the middle of the night and he's never late and they all got worried and went to find him and that's where they found him. And it's just a miserable, miserable little thing. And you don't ever think about it. It's like, ah, is Abe Vigoda still kicking around, you know? But you never go, gee, I wonder if that young upstart Yelchin is going to not be here anymore. That's just a bummer, man. Uh, if you are not up on the story, this from the BBC.com, Anton Yelchin, who is best known for playing Chekhov in the new Star Trek films, has been killed by his own car at his home in Los Angeles, police say. 
It struck him after rolling backwards the steep drive at his Studio City home, pinning him against a brick post box pillar and a security fence. So I'm almost positive what you just described is, is probably what it was. Yeah. And there's an instinct to stop it. I can tell you that because I've felt it. And I felt it other times, too. There was one time where I thought a car was backing over somebody's little kid. And I freaked out and got out and went to stop it in a way that I couldn't have humanly done it. And the driver stopped. And it turns out the kid wasn't there. So it was nobody was ever any any danger except me, actually, because I went to go stop it. But there is an instinct that you can get between that machine and something else. And so I don't, I don't, you know, it's hard to fault him for for this. And a lot of people have accidents at home. But, man, what a freaking bummer. We got a caller on the line. Let's see if he can cheer us up. Hi, who's this? Hey, it's Gabe from San Francisco. Well, How are you guys doing? Hey, Gabe, good. Uh, Gabe, and you're from Oakland. You don't even have to say San Francisco. Well, where you live? I'm, I'm working right now, so you know, it's going to be fine. <laughs> good. As long as we're burning up company time. What's up, buddy? Uh, I think sequels are a necessary, I don't want to say evil because they're not really evil, but like a necessity because uh, uh, I just saw The Lobster and really charming movie. I mean, it only made like $10 million, but they allow studios to like produce smaller films like that and what was the name of the movie so, I mean, again what was the name the lobster the lobster uh, what is that so that is a uh, a bit of an esoteric uh a dramedy featuring uh-huh. colin farrell where he there's a <laughs> i mean and, and stop me if i'm getting this wrong gabe but uh the idea is that you go to this retreat and you uh will need to pair up with somebody uh and if you don't by the end of it, you will be turned into an animal, and you can choose what animal you would like to be if you can't find love. Wow. You're spot on. Is that really it? That's really it. Yes. No, it's apparently, it's, it's very dry and very weird and very uh, fun, but it's Dark got humor. great news. Huh. I'd n- I'd, I've never even heard of the damn thing. Um, but I like Colin yeah. Farrell, and I like, like, in Bruges and th- those sorts of things, so it sounds like maybe I'd like it. I don't know. Well, but, I mean, so... Not like, the point. Yes, but, yes, no. there are independent movies made, and yes, many times they are made by the same people who also make, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 out of the shadows, right? Right. But they don't necessarily have to go hand in hand. And I guess, here's my larger question to everybody listening. Would you rather see Ninja Turtles 2, or would you rather see another original science fiction premise now ah, this is a now, good video game question too which we can talk about in a minute but keep going we have a caller but he'll win keep 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 going. all right so let me let me just let me toss this your way now uh, immediately of course everyone's going to want to say the original thing right because right. we don't know exactly what it is right but assume they're the same movie okay right the same quality would you rather see a mediocre original sci-fi movie or a mediocre sequel to a popular franchise caller what do you think Hello, uh, this is Janie from Missouri. Hi, I call. And- I, I assumed you. You know what? I did a dumb thing and assumed you were a guy, and I hate. I hate myself now. So now we know you're not, and that's better for us. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I would rather. Okay, I'm. In, I would be invested in the sequel. Like I like story. So for me, like the continuation of the story would probably trump the. Uh, Sci-fi. Is that because is that because you'd have to? It's a feeling of having to start over with new characters. You're not invested in those characters yet. And if you were really into what Donatello was dealing in the last 
the Turtles movie, well then buy gum, here he comes again with some more hijinks, right? I mean that that well, makes sense to me. Started on the Ninja Turtles movie. Like, <laughs> I was a child during like the original cartoon era, so yeah, uh, I don't even. I want to find out if Raphael continues to be cool but rude. <laughs> what do you think? I but, think he continues to be rude and maybe a little cool. But anyway, sorry, you and you, you, uh, you, have, and you called us with a question too. What what was on your mind? Um, well, I was like, we're talking about sequels and stuff, and like, I guess that's for me. Like, I get an invested story. So, like, personally, even if I'm reading a book, if I can flip to the end of the book and see if there's an epilogue, yeah. then yes, I am going to buy that book and read it. Or oh, if that's I know it's part of a series, I'm going to, I'm totally going to read it. Oh, interesting. But so like, if you so if you know that you're getting into like Stephen King's got this uh, detective book, I'm everyone's telling me to read. I forgot mm-hmm. the, I forgot the name of the series, but um, part of what does draw me to it is knowing that when I get through book one, there's book two and three, assuming I like one. Yeah, and I that, mean, unless they wrap the whole book up with a pretty package and a nice bow at the end, I'm gonna be pissed off. Like, where the heck is the rest of my book? Yeah, story. That's a really good and point. And that's how it is, kind of with movies, like. Yeah, you oh, want, we you were need, gonna make a sequel and it got canceled. Yeah, you need well, clo- you no, need closure. I, you need closure. It makes sense to me. Like we were talking last week, Justin, about the Warcraft movie and how, you know, some of us would like to see some resolution to some of the open issues in that movie. You still haven't seen that thing, right? I have not yet hmm. seen uh, uh, the, the 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 Warcraft film, but uh, I, I I do I do hope to. Uh, yeah. Man, I took a real header uh, <laughs> uh, this week in, at, at the box office, though. Yeah, uh, did not seventy percent drop. Well, Although again, yeah. uh, abroad, uh, you know they're they're gonna make uh, you know they're 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 gonna make Duncan Jones the new emperor of China. Well, as of today, it is the most highest selling or best selling uh, at the box office ticket sales wise of any video game based movie ever, which I know is a low bar already. Uh, beat out Prince of Persia, which uh, currently held the the position. The problem is that in China, it had another eighty percent drop as well. So I think all the Chinese gamers went. A week when it opened, and now they don't care anymore. Hi, caller. Who you, who are you, and where are you from? Hey, it's Greg calling from the surface of the sun. Sweet, you're in Phoenix then. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I, I was a little. I was up. laughing at. Ju- I was laughing at Justin's 108 comment. Oh wait, what? Which one? Oh, he 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 mocks he mocks me because I was uh, I was I was uh, schwitzing like an Airedale in 108 degree uh, <laughs> weather yesterday because I'm sure it's 197 in in Phoenix. I've never been That's around not- I've never been around Justin when he's been super sweaty, but I'm just guessing here that you're a very sweaty man when you need to be. Uh, I, I'm not a tremendous uh, like a crazy sweater. Yeah. I, I, the the issue with my sweat and man, this show has taken a weird. <laughs> uh, the issue with my sweat is it just gets greasy. I'm mm. a greasy guy, ah. general. Okay. So it's like I'm not gonna necessarily just sweat through a shirt, but if you tried to capture me naked, I would squeeze right through your arms. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's all hope none of us ever see this. I mean, uh, just so you know, uh, I am I am uh, uh, unable. To be uh, captured when I am a greasy, sweaty guy. Wow. Very weird that we're there. 114 right now in Phoenix. Greg, what's shaking? Yeah, what's going on? Well, I, I to to talk about sequels and and Hollywood machines that just you know churn them out like butter. Um, I, I know previously Scott had mentioned uh, Cars 2, which obviously is like the 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 rotten egg in the 
the the massive pack of all Pixar movies. Yeah. And I, I remember some interesting trivia about that one, and I couldn't find it online. I was looking, but apparently Disney had an option to make Cars two without Pixar if Car if Pixar didn't get off the pot. And oh. so they basically just went. Okay, here you go. Whatever. Well, they if did. I so the the spin the spinoff planes is is that very case. Like they they all have the dumb eyes and the face of the of the cars, and it feels like it's from the same universe, and it kind of is. But that's Disney doing it, not Pixar doing it. And planes was pretty bad as well. I think right. I think and, that and that's probably somewhat accurate. Yeah, and and the fact that that Pixar just kind of punched it out is, is one of those things. But yeah. you know, like it like like story shows and. You know, the Toy Stories, you know, two and three, and apparently the four will be coming is, you know, when, when they have the heart and they have the, 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 the brain trust of Pixar behind it pushing forward because they are so collaborative to each other. I think that's, that's telling versus a regular Hollywood machine that, you know, they just, you know, whip the, the director as hard as possible to get the, the film out as cheaply as they can. And sure, that, sure. That's something that Mar- Marvel has. Their huge machine with with um, uh, I can't remember the guy's name who runs the whole thing with a weird name Kevin Feige, Feige? Feige whatever well, yeah. right Feige. and he he's like he's like the the bouncer who keeps you know the Disney executives at bay it seems and I I think that if other people if other studios had somebody like him to to run interference things would probably be better not that the studios are completely inept but right. like. Well, I, well, don't you don't you don't you feel like Justin? Thanks for the call. Don't you don't you feel like that? This is part of the problem with our narrative. We have such little insight as to how the day to day goes over there, how the money moves. That this we, we are trying to come up with what sounds like simple solutions to what we see as just well, just get the suits out of there and bring well, in the creative. I mean, yeah, I, I guess I, I I don't think that this is one of those binary like just give the artist freedom uh, kind of solutions because this is more about what we want. Mm-hmm. If anything, the suits should have their ears plastered on the door of this podcast as we record it. Uh, suits are right now lining up in, in Oakland and, and Salt Lake City with their precious, delicate little ears placed up against our doors, <laughs> listening to hear what you, the audience, say you want. Because that's all they're trying to do Yeah, is just they see, oh, wow. It seems as if there's uh, some real uh, uh, momentum behind, uh, you know, retro cartoon Facebook groups. And so somebody <laughs> brings them some sort of metric study. And next thing you know, you get Voltron on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like, Which I want to still watch. I haven't seen that yet. I hear it's good. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, uh, Brushwood raves about it. So, like, you know, I guess here's my point. This isn't about whether or not sequels are good or bad. This isn't about reboots are, 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 are good or bad. The question is, are is the concept of a sequel generally been devalued? Are we on a bit of a dip, as you're thinking? Have have so many of them just been such crap? And, like, is 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 there just a fatigue of, like, oh, God, again, I mean, like, like you, you almost don't want to go see a movie now because it's like, well, you're just going to give me four sequels where they're going to do the same jokes over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's true. Plus, you could, once in a while you get to see a 69-minute uh, thing on TV that's better than any movie you've seen in two years. So that'll happen, Game of Thrones. Uh, hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Scott. Hey, Justin. It's Ian. I'm Sci-Fi. Hey, man. What's going what's on? What's up, buddy? What up? <laughs> uh, so 
I think that uh, moviegoers are a lot more into uh, stuff like Rotten Tomatoes than they were in previous years. Uh, Like, I'm not going to go see a stinker that, you know, has like 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, considering how much money it costs for me to go to the theater in the first place. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold out for those like really big winners, uh, like, unless it's a franchise that like I'm absolutely, you know, freaking in love with. Like, yeah, I, I, I was the sucker who went to see X Men Apocalypse, and it wasn't, it wasn't total, you know, terrible, mm-hmm. but I can understand why it underperformed the way it did. It was, it was an also ran. So if people are, um, if people are so listening I, too much to reviewers, and I agree with you, by the way, I think not, not that there's yeah. too much, or I'm not saying there's a quantifiable number of how many reviewers you should believe in or not, but I've had my own experience recently, which was going to see a movie that was sub 30% that I was going to see right. no matter what, which was Warcraft. I knew I was going to see it no matter what, but if this was any other movie without all my other connections and biases toward it, I would have absolutely said, "Ugh, thirty? Nope, not going." I totally would have. Right. And so, and, 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 and I know, and I know people who are exactly the same way with that movie, Superman. Right, right. That's not a credible example for you and Warcraft. <laughs> well, that's my point. Is it's a terrible example. Like, yeah. I, I would, I did that because it didn't matter what anyone told me. If it was ten percent, I was going. I, I, I went to the theater like months ahead. Like, there were so many reasons why I was going, and I was going to go no matter what. But if it wasn't for those things and I saw something sub 30 whatever let's say Jason Bourne comes out and it's sub 30 I'm not yeah. seeing it no way yeah I'm not seeing it either right why well why is that though why are we so why well I guess just because we're connected and we believe in numbers and numbers tell well, us also listen uh, I, I, movies now are more of a sacrifice than they've ever been before mm. we've got so many amazing entertainment options and so many of them don't require pants Right. Yeah. I, considering considering how easy it is to just sit on the couch and watch a random movie on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime or HBO Go or all these different streaming options, mm-hmm. I'm only going to go to the theater for something I'm actually really looking forward to, not some random movie out of nowhere. Right. Plus, if you and have, by the way, you want to know what all these things on Netflix are? Mm-hmm. All the movies last year that you said, oh, man, I'd really like to go see it, but I don't want to put on pants. Yeah, no, it's all there. I did this. <laughs> I did this with uh, I wanted to see Everest in the theater because that sounded like a big theater experience and instead yeah. I waited and watched it on HBO now and it was great I watched it on my iPad and I really enjoyed it but it was fine to wait it wasn't a big deal I waited for it so yes I mean yeah. we are we are living in a different time not only that but cost is an issue I'm a father of three anytime I want to take the three kids and my wife out to a movie it's a $60 affair because tickets plus right. maybe popcorn and maybe a drink and we're all being cheap and you know trying to be good but you still spend all this money and you realize, well, we could have stayed home and watched a litany of things on four services we're already paying for and watched it on a big screen with nice sound and had a toilet right over there. And, you know, like, yeah, that Mark argument. I, I, I got one more point to make real quick. Sure, go ahead. And then, I'll, then I'll hang out the later, guys. Uh, uh, the other thing that uh, that's stopping me from going is once upon a time, AMC had this uh, this ticket process uh, where you could go and buy like in bulk, like AMC Gold and AMC Silver tickets. Oh yeah. Uh, where basically, uh, you know, AMC Silver, you'd be able to wait two or three weeks and you know go to the theater and, and see it, uh, you know, whenever. AMC Gold was like the day of. You could walk in. Doesn't matter whether it was a 3D movie. Like if anything, you pay like a two or three dollar extra surcharge, but you'd be able to just see it, you know, the day of. Right. And they got rid of those and replace them with these new tickets where you can't see any Disney movies with these new <laughs> AMC, I think, green and AMC red movies, because apparently Disney made this deal with AMC where, you know, 
tough movies, you're, you you got to pay full price to see our movies, so whether you like it or not. And the one of them, I think of the red ones, you can't see anything in New York. <laughs> yeah, that's they do it better in France. Like Patrick has this uh, has this thing in France where he can go to any movie he wants as many times as he wants, any time he wants. It's some kind of yearly subscription. And it's, I was just about to say that. I would love that. Yeah. I would go. I mean, like, because because now you know, I got this uh, this draft house out near me in in San Francisco, and I really like it. I enjoy the theater experience there. I've seen a lot more movies recently now that I'm off the road. Yeah. Uh, but I don't. I would be fine if I didn't get my money's worth on a yearly subscription to something like the Draft House. Sure. Like, because I, I feel like I, I do want theaters to survive. I want theaters to keep, you know, existing. I like that. I like them. I like that that, that industry is there. But at the same time. Uh, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, getting tickets are annoying. I would just like to be like, hey, here's my uh, yearly subscription. Pretty much all the big tent poles, they know mm -hmm. what are, are coming out. Sure. So you just say, like, yeah, so part of that is I, I want to just go ahead and reserve for, you know, uh, uh, opening night for Civil War, for Warcraft, for X-Men. If I'm not going to use it, I'll let you guys know. Yeah. Um, and for smaller movies, you'd probably see more of those. You'd care because you've got a subscription. You may as well go, and you'll probably buy concessions, and they'll make more money and fill more butts and more seats. And like, it yeah, seems I mean, the smart. complicated way to do it is that so many of those deals, and the reason why we probably don't see them, is so many distribution deals are done on a per ticket basis. Yeah, yeah. And so, and in, uh, okay, so I, I don't know for sure, but I do know that there's. A large, uh, a large cut goes to the studio for the first two weeks. Yeah. So it's like maybe it would be all stuff two weeks in, but then again, that's kind of a crappy value proposition. So who knows? I just think the I just think the model could be tweaked. That's all. It's time for some yeah. tweaking. I mean, I guess that's the thing is is you know in in general, and that's when you know we we had this big uh, uh, hullabaloo on a couple months ago because the AMC dude came out and said, hey, you know, maybe we'll have theaters with texting in it. And everybody, like, just started vomiting out of their nose uh, with anger. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, okay, sure. Yeah, it's not my, not how I want to go see a movie. Yeah. But at the same time, I just want them to exist. I just want theaters to be there. Yeah, find a, find a way. Love I've finds a, a lot way. Of, I got a lot of fond memories about theaters, man. Like, I... I you know, kissing a girl for the first time in a theater. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, getting drunk for the first time off a, a you know, a, a little airplane bottle of coconut rum. Losing your virginity the same night, all three things in the same and night. I, and I bought a bag of oregano that somebody said was. <laughs> I do too. I have very fond memories of films. I used to go to matinees on Saturdays with my friends. And I used to, you know, I could, I could tell you when I saw Superman 2 and when I saw you know, the the first Star Trek or Star, uh, Wrath of Khan or whatever, these movies when I was a kid, like there's there's a, a lot to love about movie theaters. So before we go to Game of Thrones spoilers, bottom line is they'll they'll figure out a way. This well, here, you want to know what? Hmm. We haven't done this in a couple of weeks. What's that? But I feel like Independence Day. Oh, over under, dude. For a Rotten Tomatoes over under challenge. Over under challenge. I have music. Hold on. Uh... The over-under on Independence Day 2. All right. Independence Day resurgence. Uh, Bill Pullman is back. Uh, 
what's his butt? Jeff Goldblum yeah. is back. Uh, and then a bunch of other people that uh, I've never seen before. He's your he's your main uh, guy again, right? But Jeff Jeff Goldblum, he's your main dude. Uh, Jeff, uh, yeah, yeah, Jeff, uh, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum uh, I'm gonna take your ship down with System Seven. Hey, did you notice by the way that he uh, he this? I don't know if you have felt this, but watching those trailers, I immediately feel like I felt when I was watching trailers or the actual movie for Lost World. Because really, yeah, because what you do is you go from more of an ensemble piece with the first. Uh, Jurassic Park, where Jeff Goldblum is a side character, really. He's there, but he's not, you know, it's not the main By point. By the way, have, have you seen the, the YouTube video of Jeff Goldblum, the actor, in conversation with his character from Independence Day? No. <laughs> like, it's so, so, you know, they've been doing all this viral marketing for the movie. Yeah. Pretending that, like, you know, the, the battle of 94, 96, I forget, is, you know, was a real event. Yeah. And so there's this video of uh, Jeff Goldblum's uh, scientist character uh, it being like interviewed basically by Jeff Goldblum, the actor. Huh. All right. I'll, I will. Funny. Hunt it, it's great. It's I just, will hunt that it, down. That sounds awesome. He's just a, a, a treasure. He's, All right. So this movie coming out when when is it ne- next week? This Friday. This Friday. OK. And we don't have we have any early reviews. It doesn't look like we do. Uh, uh, I am. I am not looking. I'm uh, deliberately not looking at Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, I shouldn't do that either. Then no, Never you mind. should. Not. Okay, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I have no idea. I, it's, I can tell you this on the main page on upcoming. There's no. There's no name or score there. Yeah. So, for whatever that's worth. All right. Uh, where's our Where's our baseline? What are we saying? Is it always fifty? Uh, uh, well, somebody uh, still at work says sixty-one percent was uh, the first Independence Day. That seems a good enough place to start. Do you go over or? Under sixty one, really? What reviews? But they called reviews from like weird places in ninety six. It wasn't the site didn't exist then. So yeah, um, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say under. Yeah, I'm gonna say under too. So for those of you who don't know, the the line is not set until Scott and I disagree mm-hmm. on on whether or not we'd go over and under a number. So now we right. will move lower. Okay, fifty five. Um, I'll say <clears throat> I'll say over. You'll go over on fifty. Yeah, no, no higher than sixty, but somewhere between fifty-five and sixty. Over on fifty-five. Yeah, I mean sixty percent is fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. You were saying that this thing is going to flirt with fresh on it's, Rotten Tomatoes. It's going to flirt with freshness, and here's why I think I don't actually I hate the first movie. You know this about me. I don't like it at all. I'd never heard that. Oh, I, I'm, I always, I, oh no, yeah, you were always so quiet about uh, about uh, <laughs> the amazing realism of, uh, of of Independence Day. It's something you've never <laughs> mentioned before. Worst also, midnight showing I ever went to. Yeah. Uh, other things I would like to know uh, about you because you've never shared it. Your thoughts on Mash? Oh yeah, Mash. I really like Matt TV's Mash. It was great, and uh, big fan of Mad Max Fury Road. Never mentioned that one before. Uh, speaking of sequels that were amazing and should be made forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say, like, I'm going to say, so you still think lower then? Yes. I, if, if you give me 55, I will be delighted. Because <sighs> I think this one is going lower than that. I know it's a risk. All right, I'm going to say 55. Or, yeah, 55, between 55 and 56, or 60 is going to be where it ends up. I'll, I'll stick to my guns. So you're calling your shot. I'm calling my shot. All you need to do is say that it will be above 55%. Correct. And I'm saying below 55%. All right, so you guys know 
how it goes. Yep. Go ahead on uh, Twitter at Scott Johnson at Justin R. Young. Let us know what you think. Will you go over or under yes. on Independence Day? Please do. And is the line. Yeah, 55 is the line. Also, now on to the greatest episode of TV this season with the worst introduction for it. Here you go. Watch the throne. Watch. Here's the theme song. One song. One song only. Oh my lord! So bad. Um. I mean, again, we got that in one take. A lot of people may not know we did that live in one take. Yeah, it's incredible. Really, we're gonna we're gonna it's write so that down good. as an important moment. All right, so uh, real quick here, uh, frogpants.com, Scott Johnson on Twitter, all that stuff uh, for everything I have going on. Justin, you have anything you want to pimp before we spoil? Uh oh, Politicon. If you're in Los Angeles this weekend, uh, head on down to Pasadena. Uh, because uh, me and the entire Contender crew will be down there for Politicon. Uh, it is a political convention, but not like another, like the real political conventions. It's literally just like a Comic-Con, but they got a bunch of great political speakers. And if you come over to our booth, you will be able to, with Contender cards, debate the sock puppet president or presidential candidate of your choice. Oh, my Lord. We have a roster of 12 and I will be doing the voices for all of them. <laughs> I will be puppeting and doing the voices for any puppet that you choose. And I'm just going to let you know, some of the impressions, pretty good. Really? Uh, these are, these are skill, skillful interpretations of their, their voices and I, demeanor? I feel like I can do a good Bernie. I, I can do a good uh, you know, Bill Clinton. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to let you know, the Sarah Palin, <laughs> little ripe. It's going to be really, really awkward. Because Sarah Palin's actually going to be there. And if she finds it charming that there's a sock puppet of her and wants to debate herself, I have to embarrass myself in front of Sarah Palin. That would be the greatest single thing ever. So if that happens, yeah, it was nice knowing you. Remember the little people in your life. I'm just going to I'm going to become a black hole. Like I'll just turn inverse on myself from embarrassment. And, and, and everything around you will be sucked into it. Exactly. Hopefully, including Sarah Palin. All right. Let's talk about uh, this episode of the Game of Thrones. Good Lord. Uh, that was awesome. It was real good. And um, I I am now confident in saying, no matter where we end up in the finale, uh, I am confident in saying this is, A, the best season of Game of Thrones they've ever had, and B, maybe the best series, maybe the best season of anything this year. Well, I mean, here's... Uh, another example of, you know, the the show has kind of always flirted with a lot of its sci-fi or sorry, it, it's fantasy tropes. Yep. You know, it, it's always been there, but it's never been the main course. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always been like political maneuvering. Am I in love with you or not? The duty of honor and family, the, the, the a patriarchal society that relies on violence to solve disputes. Uh, and then side dishes of like magic, elves, dragons. Uh, this season has kind of pushed the side dish of the fantasy stuff a little bit more to the center. Yeah, you've had a lot more kind of resolved uh, with those tropes. But this episode was really remarkable because initially I'm like, oh, okay, well it's just going to be a battle. So it's not going to be as 
terrifying as uh, the the hard home episode last season where you all of a sudden it just goes from like zero to World War Z Iceland mm-hmm. like in in two seconds and becomes this insane Sam Raimi film mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's not going to be as suspenseful as the the watchers on the wall episode two years ago which was a siege story yeah a really good one same director I think really good one yep and so I was like okay well maybe maybe it's not going to be as great and then because like, we've also seen this stuff in so many post Lord of the Rings including Warcraft we've just seen so many medieval battles yeah this is brave you know you it, there's hints of braveheart there are hints of uh you know a million other uh dudes with swords clashing on a field of battle gladiator whatever all your movies they all have one of these one of these scenes in them for sure but i i think that this episode is really really remarkable because like i i felt like way more invested in it mm-hmm. and then they kind of crystallized it in the little uh featurette afterward yeah which is really good yeah that like what they wanted to do like their goals were to a make the strategy understandable visually right right. because normally it's like you have no idea in any of these movies you have no idea hero goes into battle there's some swords they're killing people and then at some point we just kind of assume the battle is won or lost and usually it's like in a fantasy movie, it's it's tied to, you know, the, the the battle is literally just like a thing to happen to fill time while another character goes off and tries to, you know, put the amulet in the herpaderp and, you know, <laughs> open up the tesseract that sends them all back to, like, Jeep job. Right. Uh, I love how you describe those things. Uh, yeah. But, but I mean, like, so there's a scene where there's a bunch of horses charging Jon Snow. That's one of the best shots I've ever seen. It's incredible. Anything. In anything, movies or otherwise. And he says in the in the little featurette, um, Kit Harrington says, the bummer about that scene is everybody's gonna assume it was CGI, but it wasn't. Those horses were were charging at me. And they show a bunch of the stuff being, you know, created when it was created. And it is astonishingly well made. Like just astonishingly well put together. It looks way more expensive than it was. I'm sure it was expensive, don't get me wrong. But this looked like it had the budget of a three hundred million dollar film. Oh, it looked it looked so so good, yeah. and, and and the fact that that shot is immediately followed by I've always like one of the things that I really love about Game of Thrones and their visual storytelling language mm-hmm. is that they do they do have that weird little Sam Raimi, uh, you know, one and a half speed mm-hmm. kind yep. of thing, and they usually use it to signify something supernatural, right? Uh, but in this, you got like the slow hero like this is how legends are born shot mm-hmm. of Jon Snow realizing that he's 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 let his uh rage get the best of him but yet if this is his death he stands there as a hero as all these cavalrymen charge at him uh and then right the next shot you get is just him immediately being lost in the shuffle yeah it's crazy Totally crazy. I have a theory about that, by the way. So a lot of people are like, he's too lucky. There's no way all those arrows would miss him. There's no way those horses would miss him. There's no way all those axes and stuff would miss him. And I have a theory about this. I think that in the Game of Thrones world, yeah, and I haven't thought this out very much, so this may sound stupid, but I think when you are brought back to life by a follower of the Lord of Light, that you are now cloaked in a pretty heavy layer of like lucky shit. 
Well, I uh, mean, I uh, tell an ad to Barrick Dundarian, who's been brought back a million times. Oh, he- that's right. Yeah, I forgot about him. But, uh, but, but, but. I'm not saying it seemed supernatural the way he was able to avoid, no, avoid I mean, things, but it felt and, like and, destiny to me. It felt like destiny point, was playing out. The, the the visual language of the rest of that that scene demonstrates that there is no like living and dying is almost a constant fifty fifty flip. Like somebody just might not see you, or somebody might kill you because they snuck up behind you and they're gonna you know slice your throat. Right. Like. They're, what, what they wanted to show is that it is way easier to get lost in a melee than you think, and yet it is still as deadly as you believe it to be. Yeah. And oh, that's yeah. why, uh, you know, getting him lost under the bodies in the stampede was such a brilliant thing to do because, A, it gave you another thing to worry about while this battle was ongoing. Yeah. And, B, it did take him out of the fray because I think if they kept him upright the entire battle then to me I, I would have been like yeah okay i mean he's not superman like you right. know there's no way that a high value target can <laughs> stay there but the fact that for half the battle he's like searching for uh you know he's trying to get air you know mm-hmm. I, I think was was super rad what i really appreciated about it though was just like i got what there I, I got what the 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 point of the battle was i got i understood what the the Stark forces were trying to do. I understood what the Bolton forces were trying to do. By the end of it, when they get caught in the bottleneck, I'm like, oh, look, wow. Like, I understand military, you know, medieval military strategy. Sure, yeah, no, some of that stuff really came, it was well illustrated. You didn't sit there going, I don't know what's happening in this chaos. You kind of got the bigger moves, like the the, the overhead god mode of, a, of the strategy of a battle started to come through a little bit. And I, I thought that was pretty cool. I also really liked, um, I really liked that he was losing until he wasn't. There was a feeling the entire time, knowing that this game, that this show has a history of sticking it to you. Jon Snow was losing until he wasn't losing. And you never really, really knew when he was going to come out of this thing, if he was going to come out of this thing, or who was going to come out of this thing. And it would be just like George R.R. R. Martin and these showrunners to keep Ramsey Bolton alive forever and have him be a dick until the final breath. Yeah, and I I have I don't think I've had a more obvious death in a, in a show one where someone deserved it the most in a, in an episode of Game of Thrones, but also one that I felt was hard earned and so welcome to me as a viewer. I was just ready for him to die, and it wasn't. It's not that I'm sick of him. I don't think there's interesting arcs around it. None of that. He's just a he's just the worst. And so to see him die was really satisfying. And even in the featurette, he said it himself. So it was so nice filming with Sophie after the last scene we'd been in was such a rough piece of work and have her get her revenge. I mean, even the actor himself was like, wasn't it great to see, you know, his dogs eat him? Absolutely. And this is, uh, uh, we, we do have a clip here. This is the uh, the final uh, scene of the episode uh, for Game of Thrones. Uh, let, let's go ahead and, uh, and, and listen to it now. Uh, one billion. Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? <laughs> Who let the dogs out? Who? A real, real questionable uh, sound choice. I, I kind of agree. And thanks for tuning into the morning zoo, everyone. We've uh, we've really <laughs> had a good time. Traffic and weather on the nines. Uh, no, that's actually pretty good. That's our new theme. We'll play that from now on. Um, exactly. By the way, so so that Rottweiler, or no, that uh, what was he? 
um, looked like a pit bull that was on his lap. Yeah. The spitting image of my daughter's pit bull. Oh, really? Yeah, it's kind of freaky now to be looking at Izzy's face. I mean, I know it's, you know, it's fake and they were trained to be horrible killers, but yeah, man, all this stuff flashed in my head. Like they, they go to eat him and I hear him screaming. I'm thinking that's for that lady. That's for that baby she was holding. That's for those other people you tried to sick your dogs on. You're a dick and you're dying finally. And gosh, dang it. Everybody here is happy about it. You douche. He's such a douche. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, and, and also thematically, that is a literal manifestation of his cruelty coming back on him. Yeah, which needed you know, to finally freaking not, happen. Because you know, he is he is so terrible in way it, it, like, you know, he is terrible in a terrible world. Yeah. Right. Like uh, a, a place that uh, a culture that that, you know, gives a at least a passing like, well, you know, when in Rome to like raping and, and, and reaving. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, this is the same episode where, you know, two powerful women in Yara and Daenerys come to an agreement. And, and part of the deal is like, hey, no more raping. And she's like, but mom. <laughs> You know, that is exactly the way you should yeah. describe that. That's really funny. And then in, <laughs> you know, with, with Ramsey, he's terrible. He's yeah. awful. Yeah. Right? And, and and this is just an ancillary. This is just one of those everyday things yeah. where it's like, oh, I think I'm kind of getting pissed off at Jon Snow. I'm just going to starve my dogs because, uh, you know, I might need them to be like really, really cruel to somebody at some point real quick. Yeah. And they did. They just, and, and then they do, and yeah. it also it saves Sansa and John from becoming monsters because he's a monster. No, yeah, they let him. They let his own destruction consume him, and that's how it should have been. And him not killing him by punching him to death was was good. There's a lot of questions in my head about their trust with each other. Was John even aware? That uh, little finger and all his buddies up from the area were going to come down. I don't I'm, think so. Doesn't appear so. Nope. And I don't know what I mean, that means. That would have been something that you'd like to coordinate. The trailer, the uh, preview for next week made it seem like there's some conciliation going on there. So so I'll bet they have that out and then come to an agreement. Um, but that, that the entire I, I'm trying to find fault in the episode and it's really hard. And the funny thing is all the stuff early with dragons and that whole fight with the uh, the slavers and stuff that should have that could have been a whole episode of rad. I mean, that could have been. A whole another episode where we went, oh my gosh, this is one of the best episodes that they've ever done. It's funny how two incredible set pieces uh, were competing in one episode like this. Yeah, it's crazy. you know, to, 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 to keep it 100, uh, I will say I think I'm kind of done with the, uh, uh, I'm a mean old man and you're a little lady and you better knock it off because I'm going to rape you and take everything you own ha 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 men rule <laughs> high five and then she's like no men drool right. it murders everybody right like we've seen it a couple times now I I, I I am excited to get to a point with with danny's character where now people are going to have to treat her as a superior yeah and try to take her down instead of constantly underestimating her right or officially at the end of that, and as much as like I like the scene, I thought it was good. It's just something we've seen before that was completely wiped away when, like, you know, the 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 uh, yes album cover that never uh, that was never <laughs> penned of three dragons burning a ship 
you know, uh, was was just like so amazing. It was super cool. And I was I was really hoping we'd see who the other writers are going to be at some point. There's got to be some symbolic writership thing happening. Probably one of them will be Tyrion because he set them loose in the in the uh, dungeon. And I they... mean, I think that that might be that feels like a uh, that that feels like a uh, a, a, a final um, you know, a, a scene in the final uh, of episode next week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you also got to figure that, uh, you know, they, they all kind of saddle up on their boats. Okay, here's the question. Do we next week go as, because we know where there's a bunch of stuff with the, this High Sparrow and all his bullshit. Are we going to have them come ashore during that? Like, are we that no. close? Oh, no, 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 no. This ends with them, like, setting sail. No Clegane Bowl, you don't think? Next week? Uh, I uh, I mean, that Clegane Bowl, not this season. Okay. Okay. If, 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 if Clegane Bowl is to happen, I do not believe it will happen this season. And wasn't, isn't the next season their last? Is I, do I no, have that right? Seasons after this, but they're going to be, they're going to be short. Short season. So basically a full season's worth of normal season, like 13 episodes or something. So, yeah, I think that the rumor was 14 episodes, two seven-episode seasons, but I think that that's what, 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 what I'm, I'm suspecting they want to do is just shoot one season and split it. Yeah, and then get everybody off to their new projects they're all doing. Yeah. I'm uh, fine with that. I just want that Clegane thing to happen before I die. All right? <laughs> I mean, you never know. I, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of shoes that, that might have yet to drop. Um you know, I, I think that there still is a major character that in in the books is connected to the Brothers Without Banners. Yeah. Uh, that that next week might be a big time. That, that might be the right time to introduce mm. that character. Yeah. However, I, I think I've said that for about the season finale uh, for the last three seasons. So yes, plus uh, I, plus I think I think you and I even talked about it, but we all I think I thought that was the Ian McShane character. I thought uh, the one that I think you're talking about, I thought that was the uh -oh. casting. You're not, we're not talking about the same character. Well, not meaning, I don't mean him, but I thought, I thought Ian McShane's character was, was somebody else. When, when I heard he was rumored to be in the season. Gotcha. So who he ended up being was a total fluke and I had no idea. And then he's dead already and it doesn't matter. But I thought it was somebody else. Uh, I all wonder right, if so we're talking about the same person. Yeah. Let's say Littlefinger you know, he did the little finger doesn't do nothing for free. Nope. Right. At all costs. Little finger came in when when the chips were down mm -hmm. and made sure that the Starks hold Winterfell. Yep. And there seems to have been some level of negotiation between him and Sansa. Yep. If that negotiation is for Sansa's handed marriage, which, geez, like, uh, you know, Kardashian levels of marriages for uh, <laughs> this young Sansa. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, that would mean that two of our puppet masters mm. uh, in Varys and Littlefinger yeah. uh, would, would be moving to the front. Like, he would now be a declared player in the game. Yeah, big time. You know, because that basically makes him the warden of the North. And uh, a, a enemy of the Lannisters, right? Because John can't do it. I mean, I don't. I don't mean just with his sister, but I mean he can't. He's not bloodborne. He can't do it. 
and and Rickon's dead now. That was a rough. Rickon. What a rough raw deal for Rickon, dude. Man. Yeah, you know he. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else they're gonna do with him in the books, but that seemed to be about as as emotional as we were ever gonna get out of Rick. <laughs> I think you're probably right. And also, last time we saw him, before we saw him recently, he was like this little tiny kid. So it's all very weird. Um, but but uh, yeah, you're probably not wrong on any of those points. What if we had a, what if we had a sneaky secret teller bowl, and it was a three way <laughs> between. Varies Littlefinger and the dude that works for Cersei, the that made uh, that made the mountain into a zombie. Oh, the 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 dark maester. Yeah, because he's got all kinds of shit going on with like sneaky little stuff, and his spiders are telling him stuff. He calls his kids spiders, or whatever. Yeah. So maybe there's maybe they're setting it up for a great big. I don't know. Now, see, the problem is you have framed this in such a way that I want to have bowls of all sorts. In the- oh, because because game bowl might <laughs> yeah. not be happening. Yeah. We should. It should be like college football. We should have, you know, we should get sponsors for it. Like, like, and welcome to the Tostitos Clegane Bowl. <laughs> I'm all in on this. All right. Uh, that's your spoiler uh, moments there with the Game of Thrones. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. It was freaking incredible. If you haven't watched it, do. And if you haven't, you listen, we'll poo on you because you got spoiled and we warned you. So it's on you for that. Uh, we don't know what we're talking about next week, but that's coming. So come back next week. More yeah. to do. Uh, we've already given you all our stuff. So go check us out. Justin R. Young on Twitter. Scott yep. Johnson on Twitter. Yep. Oh, <clears throat> by the way, the uh, the website is frogpants.com slash hotline Monday. Wherever you get your podcast, be it uh, uh, iTunes or wherever, if you rate us well on there, it really helps us in ways that I can't quite express with words. So please do that. Yeah. Uh, also, hotline Monday on Twitter as well. Hotline Monday at gmail.com if you'd like to send us some emails. And don't forget to have our number handy all the time on your phone, 801-895-4724. Justin, you got anything else? Uh, there. Clint Gain Bowl uh, confirmed. Just Tostitos, Coca Cola, Budweiser. See you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>